1: You need to have a unique edge in order to thrive. Your show host, Lisa Chickles, understands you have to live it to get it. And she is here to give what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is Chat with Chickles, featuring brand champion, Lisa Chickles. In this program, you'll hear from the experts who are already making differences in their business while picking up strategies that can help you and your business survive and thrive. Now, here's your host, Lisa Chickles.
0: Welcome, and thank you for taking the time to join us today for my show on the process of change. In previous episodes, we've chatted about innovation, leadership, building high performing teams, and the challenges associated with leading through change. Today, we're going to build on the idea of leading through change and chat more about leading the process of change and what's involved in that. So, we've talked about getting people to say yes to your ideas and keeping those ideas alive. But how do we ensure that the ideas that you have or the changes that you want to make are done effectively, that you get the outcomes that you're looking for? You spend all this time on the strategy, testing and evaluating your ideas, getting people to say yes. But have you thought about how to actually do it, how to implement it, how to lead a team and a company through change so that the final outcome is what you intended? That's what we're going to talk about today um, on this show. How do you lead a team an organization in your business through the implementation of change and the phases that are involved in that? Because having the idea is only one part of it. Being able to execute successfully and flawlessly is the other. And today, we're very fortunate to have a guest with us, Ruth Henderson, and she is absolutely an expert in this area. I'm just going to give you a little bit of background information on her bio. Ruth is one of the founding partners of Whiteboard Consulting Group. Um, I'll refer to them as Whiteboard moving forward. It is a training and facilitation company that works with organizations that are going through significant change to help them to uncover hidden opportunities and improve business results. Of course, two things we're all looking for. Ruth has more than 25 years of experience in both the private and public sector and is a proven leader, mentor and a certified coach. She has an MBA from Queen's University and her specialized training really came later in her career uh, when she was working with Ford Motor Company, when she became the first person to be certified as a black belt in Ford Motor Company's global rollout of Six, Six Sigma process methodology. This distinction and her work experience and her natural skills as a public speaker have led to international speaking and training engagements. Ruth also spent more than five years in a leadership role uh, within Ontario Public Service. When she was there, she built and led an innovative and groundbreaking team of more than 60 employees focused on business effectiveness and identified over $100 million in saving opportunities in innovative modern, modern service delivery. Clearly, she has the experience and expertise to speak with us today, and especially on this topic of leading the process of change. Ruth, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you, Lisa. I'm a huge fan of your work, so I'm very honoured to be here today. Thank you.
0: So, as I mentioned during the introduction, um, people can spend a lot of time on the strategy associated with, let's say, launching an innovation Or as we talked in one of my other shows about going public, doing an IPO, or merging with a company, or even installing a new IT system. Lots of meetings around strategy, but not always enough time spent on the execution. So how we're going to deliver the innovation, the strategy, or the project. Ruth, why do you you think most people are focused more on the strategy than the execution?
2: Um, well, Lisa, I actually think there's a few reasons for this. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is that, honestly, it's the sexier piece of business. Um, the ability to challenge the status quo, to plan five years out or ten years out, to imagine the art of the possible, to keep up with business trends. This is what's exciting for people. They want to plan and think ahead. Um, the second thing is that the people who are offered often thinking about all the strategy are not those who actually are really good at the details. Um, We know that 65% of the population are visual learners, visual thinkers. So when you think about that, and you add that to the fact that a lot of these folks are in higher levels, all they care about is the dream. Where am I going? It's the planning the vacation, but not really caring how you're going to get there. So the idea to Uh, Think of the sexy piece, the fun piece, and then let somebody else worry about the details. Is pretty normal for a lot of organizations.
0: Well, Ruth, it's funny that you say that because in an earlier show, I talked about being a jungle lion or a zoo lion. And I think that's exactly what it is. The jungle lion tends to be that person focused on the dream. Where are we going? What are the possibilities? Mm -hmm. And the zoo lions more about think of them in their environment in a cage of, but wait a minute, what are the parameters? Wait, have we really thought this through? And as you know, we all know you need both in an organization to be successful. For sure. So, so in your mind, what are the risks um, of those, those people, those dreamers, just focusing on the strategy and and not focusing on the
2: execution? Um, The biggest risk is the gap between those who are thinking about this vision of what the possibility of what can be and that what actually ends up being implemented isn't what they wanted in the first place. I like to say that um, everyone that you see that you're walking by is a walking storybook. We are lucky enough if we see a couple of chapters inside that person's story. We generally only see the cover. And when people are thinking about this strategy and they've had the time to invest in the story, they've been mulling it over, they've been talking to experts, they've come up with this grand idea, and then they just hand that idea off to other people to implement it and they say, go, run, implement. And those people who are being asked to execute it have no idea what the story was Mm -hmm. that brought them there. So they don't have a chance to buy into it. They don't know what they're going to do. And they get caught up in these processes that could lead them to fail. Um, There is uh, W. Edwards Deming is a Kind of, if you're a geek, if you're a stats geek like I am, um, he's a pretty famous guy from the middle of the last century who was really big into the quality movement and he moved that ahead. And he said that 85% of the problem with failure in doing anything is, or failure in change, is a result of the process, not of the people. So when people are asked to execute on a strategy that they don't understand the process behind, they're likely to get into trouble.
0: Wow, that, that, I, didn't, I didn't realize, that's a great quote um, around the failure. Um, so, so we know it's important, clearly, from that mm-hmm. quote and that statistic. So then, I guess, why don't we do it, or what makes it so difficult?
2: Oh, you know, um, what makes it so difficult is that it's so easy to just imagine this end state Um, And, you know, you could be your jungle and your zoo lion could be a couple of different things behind that. I've imagined this end state and thereby, therefore, everyone else should just know what I want. Um, Also, you've got people who imagine the end state and really don't care how you get there. Just figure it out. So they spend a lot of time on the goal, the the shiny goal at the end of the road. And what that goal is and what the next one might be after that. And then once they've done that, they lose interest. And so what we tend to do, those uh, listeners today who are um, project managers will know that people take their eye off the ball. And the metaphor that I like to use is that um, if you're running a race and you were you know, in second grade when you did your first 50-yard dash, they told you to run through the ribbon at the end, don't run to the ribbon and stop because... You lose your momentum and you actually don't finish as well as you could. And it's the same with a project. You have to run through the ribbon and actually run through the goal and all that whole process of getting to the ribbon is really important but it's really boring to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. There's a a book called The Tao of Poop um, and Tao is spelled T-A-O. It's the uh, it, it takes a look at the theory of Taoism and it turns it into language we can all understand and it uses that wonderful character Winnie the Pooh to explain it and I just I'll I'll read you a a small quote that's one of my favorite things Um, Winnie the Pooh says that the Christmas presents once opened are not so much fun as they were while we were in the process of examining lifting shaking thinking about and opening them 365 days later we try again and we find that the same thing has happened each time the goal is reached it becomes not so much fun And we're off to reach the next one and the next one and the next. So people get bored with implementation Mm. and they want to go to the next shiny Christmas present. You know, it's funny. You
0: and I have chatted about things like, you know, we talk about being bored, but sometimes it's also that fatigue um, that comes like sort of. You know, you're saying they're going, oh, I'm just just getting to the strategy. I'm exhausted. And now I need to start thinking through all these details. Do do you find that that's a challenge for people? They can actually just get some, I think,
2: what you've called before, like a change fatigue. Absolutely. Um, People experience change fatigue all the time. Uh, there's a lot going on in their organization. There's a lot going on uh, in the business world. Uh, I was doing a little research today that the, a business cycle lasts under six years. Imagine changing that frequently in an, a large organization. It's exhausting. Wow. So, so you also said earlier that,
0: you know, the people that come up with the strategy may not be the people that execute. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some of the challenges around that, around maybe that transition?
2: It's the communication piece between those people. Um, People that develop that strategy, and again, I mentioned they've been living and breathing it for a long time, and the ability to uh, clearly communicate in a way that will resonate with the people that have to implement it. You, first of all, have to get them to buy into it and to understand it. Uh, What are we doing? How are we doing it? Why are we doing it? And the ability to do that is not an easy thing. You have to communicate to be heard. Right. Right.
0: And you, you had also talked about, um, you know, actually articulating what you want the outcome to be. Mm-hmm. And, and you had had some some great examples. Oh, yeah. yeah. So
2: as some examples of that, we've worked with clients in both the public and the private sector. Um, in the private sector, we will say to people, okay, you want this change, what does success look like? State it in the future te- tense. So an outcome of this project is an IT solution that enables our customers to interact without having to call our helpline, for instance. Um, In the public sector, it's not as easy because, as you know, the public sector is not about profit. So their outcome might be uh, the result of this initiative is that the citizens have faith in the justice system or the citizens uh, trust government has uh, their security in mind, whatever that might be. And the ability to state the outcome is almost the first part in successful implementation. Uh, right, because I think what you're saying is, is if
0: I don't know where I want to go... <laughs> Yogi Bear right,
2: would, yeah. would say, you may end
0: up somewhere else. Right, exactly. And I think that's what you're saying, that could happen. So the people working on the vision, maybe they had an idea of where they wanted to go. Were they able to clearly articulate it? And if, and then were they able to translate transition all of that to the team that's implementing yeah. to make sure they end up in the right place so I see that we're coming up on a break and so I just um, I so I see that we're coming up on a break and when we come back we're going to chat more about what some of the challenges are around you know actually thinking about execution and why people don't and then also what are some of the things that we can do about it so we'll chat with you in a minute
3: talking business? Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit Lisa LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com.
4: We're always talking business. Talk
3: to
1: an
4: expert. Call now, toll free, 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chat with chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. So we are
0: back, and we are talking about... The process of change, and I have with me here today Ruth Henderson, who's an expert in this area. And in our early just just before the break, we were just talking about how people spend a lot of time on the strategy and aren't really thinking through the execution or the implementation, and therefore the risk of you know not reaching the outcome that they had intended. So Ruth, just just building on some of those thoughts of you know, some of the risks around it or why it's difficult. You know, we talked about earlier about stating the outcomes and making sure that's clear. What are some of the other challenges that can happen when you're making that handoff and potentially not going in the right direction?
2: Well, stating the outcome is um, really part of the whole communication strategy. And so one of the things that we like to say is when you're starting off to do a change initiative like this and implementing a strategy, by the way, is a change, because even if it's building off a prior one, there are different things that are happening. We have to create the sense of urgency up front and we have to get the buy-in and we like to call that the hot problem and cool solution. So when we're communicating to people, we want to say, look, if we don't do this, dot, 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 fill in the blank. Right. It can be something like, if we don't implement this IT solution, uh, let's say it's an HR IT solution. If we don't do this, All of your vacation credits are going to be lost in the system because it will crash. The database can't handle it anymore. Creating that hot problem gets people to buy in because they don't want that to happen versus trying to sell the the benefits up front. We're going to do this new IT solution and you won't have to click on as many screens to enter your expenses and your vacation credits. People don't care because now they have to learn something new. So the benefits don't resonate with them. So the ability to create that hot problem, and then say, and oh by the way, this is the new, this is the solution that's going to address that. Hot problem, cool solution is one key way that we communicate, and often people don't do that. Um, another thing is that they don't give enough information to people, who then have to disseminate that to their teams. So we have managers and. Directors and people, you know, in a middle management trying to sell this idea. They don't have enough. And then we get those three different types of uh, managers. We get those managers that I call them the buddy, the friend who who goes to people and says, yeah, senior management is making us do this and it's it's crap, but I got your back, which is terrible because they are um, really just lying to their team and the team doesn't really build a trustful relationship with them. we have the cheerleader who comes out and says hey we're going to make this change and everything's fantastic and that's not genuine and we want people to be genuine when they're communicating those are some of the ways Um, one more is uh, that people can um, communicate based on the way they think the message should be told so when I communicate with you I do so using my vocabulary my culture um, I write notes to you based on how much time I have, etc. And I expect you to figure me out. And that's not effective. What I need to do is to figure you out, Lisa, and say, you know what? Lisa doesn't even read her emails. So I need to communicate with her differently. And I could say, well, too bad for you, Lisa. You have the email. You should have read it. And I would be right. But I would also be ineffective. So we like to tell people to, be commun- to communicate to be effective not necessarily to be right. So so when you're starting
0: a project, let's say you're you're starting at the initial implementation, do I need to think all of that through? So am I sitting there thinking about how am I updating people? How am I keeping them on track and then also at the same time thinking through what you just said about how they like to be communicated? And the different ways they can do that, whether that's in person or
2: email. Hundred percent. You have to you have to think of all of that, and it's exhausting, but it has to be done if you want to be effective. Um, I'd like to tell a story about when I was in charge of a project that involved reorging over a thousand people, um, all of them in bargaining agents. So they were all part of different unions, and I thought I was the queen of communication, and I didn't think I had to do very much because it's naturally it's in my nature to communicate written communication because who wants to talk on the phone it's not effective and I had a status meeting with a whole bunch of other people and the first thing that they said was that well two people said they didn't like my communication because they didn't know what was happening next and I was shocked because I had a weekly newsletter that was very detailed concise it was short and they just told me they didn't read it so I wanted to say to them well too bad for you and then I realized that's not the case So I had to figure out how to communicate with them. So it has to be done. Who are your stakeholders? Who are the people that you need to engage? How are you going to communicate with them? It's going to be different for every single group. Uh, How frequently? Using what medium? What is the message? What questions are they going to ask? All of those things. And it's probably one of the top three things I would say in effective implementation.
0: So sometimes people have to implement what I call off the side of your desk, mm-hmm. right? And what you're talking about mm-hmm. is a lot of work and it also takes a lot of time to think it through. Do you think people can do it off the side of the desk? Should there be dedicated resources? What, what's your experience been?
2: Um, two things. One is um, if it's not done off the side of their desk and it is done by a specialized team, that team is often thought of as a SWAT team. It's what we call them today, which is, fairly negative connotation they come in, they fix things, they leave it sometimes can work and it sometimes can make people feel resentful that you're coming into my area telling me what's wrong and then leaving again that's the way people often feel about consultants, by the way. Um, I like <laughs> we're to- both consultants, yes, by the way. we're both consultants, and we don't operate that way. Uh, the, the other thing, though, is when it is off the side of your desk, the first time you have to do something like this, it can be quite onerous. I'm not going to lie. It's administrative in nature to think, who do I have to talk to and how? But you get the hang of it. And then the next time you have to do it, you just know what to do. So the first time is it's fraught with mistakes and leaving people out and fixing your mistakes and, uh, you know, fixing emails that have tone that wasn't intended and going back and then the next time it gets better and then the next time it's just natural. So yeah, it can be very difficult to do it off the side of your desk but it can be done and it usually means you're more bought into the solution.
0: Well, and I think what you're saying, too, is it's a big investment up front. But once you get your system, I'll call it, yeah. sorted out and people are in agreement that this is the right way to communicate and we're all like listening in the way that we need to and getting information in the way we need to, that it should get easier. So it's kind of if you can just sort of get over that initial hurdle, then it might it might get easier along the yeah, way.
2: There's there's an analogy um Uh, I think it's Jim Collins in Good to Great and he talks about the flywheel and getting the flywheel moving and you kind of have to put your shoulder against the flywheel and get it going and it's really hard but once you do it starts to build momentum and it's exactly that it's getting going it's really a task to overcome once you do it becomes part of the process
0: that's great. So then, if we're so we're thinking about all of that. So we said, look, lots of people they like to be in the part of the strategy because it's sexier and it's the visioning and it's the dreaming, and then you get to the implement implementation. And if it's the same team, they're tired. They might not have the skill set, or um, you know, they're not. Or if it's a new team, the transition, the handoff. So. So what are some of your insights on making that easier? And, and I know you've talked about sort of the four disciplines of execution, and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Oh, yeah. It's one of, one of my favorite things. Um, this is, uh, Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Four Disciplines of Execution, and it's I highly encourage it for people who want to learn how to execute better. And what he stated was that many organizations have, you know, 87 priorities. All of them are priority number one. Right, 1A, 1B, 1C and he has implemented this in so many different organizations that all of us would be familiar with and he said you know what guys pick one and how are you going to measure it so my organization has taken his um, framework and modified it just a little bit and so we then say what are those four steps to flawless execution and the first step is that you have to decide what your focus goal is Mm -hmm. what are you focusing on and OPS, how are you going to measure it? You need what what Covey calls the lag measure, and a lag measure being something that's already happened. The second thing that you have to do is figure out what actions are going to support that goal and measure those, and those are the lead measures because they predict the, the success or failure of the lag measure. An example might be, I want to lose 25 pounds. Weight is a lag measure because by the time I sat on the scale, it's already happened. The lead measures might be how many calories I eat, how many times I exercise, or what types of food I eat. And those are the things I'm gonna focus on. So I'm not gonna go out there and just say, I'm doing everything there is to do to lose weight. I'm actually focusing on my diet and my exercise habits. In an organization, if you wanna save money, what are those things you're doing? The last two things um, in his methodology that we've adapted are creating a scorecard, So people can see if they're winning. Everybody wants to know if they're winning and uh, posting it in a public place. And the last thing is developing a habit of accountability, holding each other actually accountable. And that's where a lot of organizations slip up.
0: And then when you say accountability, are you talking about, um, you know, checking in? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that, and, and yeah. is, it, is it a person? Is it the group?
2: Can it be whatever you decide? The best thing is a group. When you mm-hmm. have a scorecard that's written by hand and isn't a fancy Excel spreadsheet, and somebody's just put up on the wall, here's what we're tracking, and then the group stands there and each person has to go up and tick off what they've done, everyone standing around them goes, hey, Lisa, I noticed you didn't make all the sales calls that you were going to make. What got in the way? We don't say to you, hey, Lisa, you big jerk. You didn't do what you were supposed to do. You're a bad person. We say, hey, what got in the way and how can we help make sure it doesn't happen next time? That's accountability.
0: So would you say too, and like when you're thinking about implementation, you also have to think about for a team, what are some of your rules of engagement, like how you're going to treat each other, what your behaviors are, because that scorecard could make me not want to come to a meeting as an example. An
2: effective team, a high performing team has norms and ground rules and those norms and ground rules are developed by the team together to support the team. Perfect.
0: Okay, thank you Ruth. And we're coming up on a break and we're going to be when we come back, we're going to talk about, you know, implementation and then how does that compare to process improvement? And then as a leader, what do you need to know to lead effective change? And we'll be back in a minute.
1: Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com.
4: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. So we're
0: back and we are chatting with Ruth Henderson from Whiteboard Consulting Group and, t- and chatting about the process of change. And what we're going to focus on right now is w- in our earlier segment, we talked about the fact that people spend so much time on the strategy, they don't spend enough time on the implementation and planning for it. And that can mean all the difference between success and failure uh, of a new idea and innovation or implementing an IT system. And then we just talked about what some of the challenges are and thinking through styles of communication and how you put the team together and now I just want to chat with Ruth a little bit about talk to me about the difference between when I I hear people talk about process improvement which is one of the expertise that whiteboard um, brings to their clients and implementation and tell me are they the same are they different what do we mean by that
2: okay Um, people do get that confused they also get it confused with innovation Um, What I like to tell people is implementation is implementing anything, whether it's a strategic plan, a marketing plan, uh, an innovative idea, a financial plan, or a process improvement. So if you think about it, picture a circle in your head and at 12 o'clock is the strategic plan, which is the starting point of everything. That's because that's what your business is. It's the start of everything. And so people come up with a strategic plan and then they implement that. And so the business is moving along, the clock hands are sweeping along the circle and we get around to four, five, six o'clock and people start looking at their operations and saying, hmm, this isn't moving quite as effectively as it should. This is costing us more than it should. Customers are complaining about this thing more than they should uh, or we're making more mistakes or we're throwing things out. We got a lot of waste in the system. We've got ideas for process improvement. And so somebody comes up with these ideas and what it is they're going to change and what they're going to do. And they have to implement those things. And that's built back into the system and then the operations go on again. Um, So we really implement anything that's a new idea or a new change. Um, Whether it's a strategic plan or a process improvement idea, doesn't really matter. It has to be implemented effectively because it's all change.
0: So, so if I'm if let so it's a very good point that you made. So I've now, you know, prepared my strategic plan and I'm about to move forward with, you know, implementing one of the strategies that's there. As I start to implement, should I also be making sure that I I have I don't know if it's setting aside time or resources that there may be cues around process improvement that will come up as I am implementing. Oh,
2: yes, please.
0: Um, Absolutely.
2: It's one of the things that we talk about a lot. And it's in those four disciplines of execution. When we talk about a scorecard and knowing if you're winning, um, that scorecard should be saying things like, uh, we expect, let's talk about a contact center. We expect that we will be able to handle a thousand calls a day. And all of a sudden, we're only handling 800. What's going on there? Are the types of calls changing? Is there something wrong with our system? Are our agents not able to take as many calls? Is there a training problem? That's when the process improvement comes in and says, okay, we need to figure out what's wrong. The danger in that situation is people are looking at my strategic plan I've implemented. Mm-hmm. It's now in operation. And they're assuming what's wrong. They see that drop in the calls and they say, our agents, we need more agents. Go hire more agents. Or our agents need to be trained. Quick, go get more training. And they don't know what the solution is. I had a client once where they asked me to figure out exactly that. Why were there such wait time, long wait times to answer the phone? They were all ready to hire more agents. Turned out it was a technical problem. They could have hired a hundred more agents, but no more calls would have got through the system. Process improvement looks at that um, very uh, solution agnostic, we call it, and says, all right, take a look at that and then go take a look at what the potential problems are.
0: One of the things that I love about what you do and how you articulate it is, because from in my business, I'm accountable to the strategy, what can happen is, is that if it doesn't get implemented properly, or people haven't identified mm-hmm. the right areas of process improvement, mm-hmm. is sometimes people will say, well, maybe the strategy was wrong. Yeah, And actually, the strategy still could have been right, or the right strategy for the organization, but we just executed it wrong.
2: Well, and that would make me say, what was your outcome statement? exactly what I said before. So if your outcome statement was done when you did the strategy, so I've got this strategic plan for five years, what does success look like in five years? In five years, success is this. We can't say that's wrong. All we can say, potentially, is that things change between now and that goal, and we have to take a different route to get there, or technology changed, or the rules changed, the law changed. And we actually had to shift where we were going. If you think about it as a roadmap, map, we can either say, yes, we're still going to the same place, but we're going to take a different route because there's construction on the highway. Or we can say, actually, we're not going there anymore. We're going somewhere else because it's more relevant to what we want to do and what we want to see.
0: So process improvement. So it, you, you've done a great job of explaining what it is.
2: Are there different
0: kind of methodologies or theories that people apply? I mean, this Six Sigma black belt that you are. It's very exciting. Sounds very, Sounds very sexy. Very, exciting, yeah. very mm-hmm.
2: sexy. I'm a black belt.
0: Yeah. So can you tell me, so talk to me about those. What are those yeah. different methodologies? And
2: Sure. Um, there is a million. Maybe not a million. Half a million. Okay. Um, there are so many. And I'm a little bit of a blasphemer, I have to say, Lisa, because I was trained in Black uh, Six Sigma, as you mentioned, back at the end of the 90s. And it was an, an enormous movement or a buzzword, and people say, is it dying? And so Six Sigma, like a lot of other process improvement uh, methodologies, it is designed to look at things that are going wrong and defects and get rid of the defects. So Sigma, Six Sigma is um, it's a statistical term, and it's a measure of variation in a process. And the idea is that the more variation there is in a process, the more opportunity there is to make a mistake. So it says, let's get the variation out of the process. Um, There's another uh, methodology called Lean. Uh, So Six Sigma was born out of a quality movement in the United States. Lean was born out of a quality movement in Japan. And Lean says pretty much the same things. We want to improve things by eliminating waste. Instead of eliminating variation, we're gonna eliminate waste. Mm. The end result is the same. We want to make things more efficient, make our customers happier, save money for the organization. In old school world, it used to be that we either saved money or we made the customers happy, not both. Process improvement methodology says you can do both if you look at it right. There's many others. There's TQI and there's um, uh, uh, appreciative inquiry, which actually looks at things that go well. Uh, We've actually developed our own methodology, too, called the Whiteboard Way, and it is much simpler. And that's why I'm a blasphemer, because Mm. I believe every organization can take the tools that are most effective for them and what I call till the soil in the culture. There's a lot that needs to be done with a culture of an organization before a massive process improvement um, change happens. So, so as
0: part of your whiteboard way, or when you're working with a client, are you assessing sort of their organizational culture and capacity uh, before you select the
2: right tools for them? Oh, for sure. Sometimes we're assessing that before we take the job. Mm -hmm. We are working on a a bid right now for a client. And we've, one of the questions we asked them was, how would you say that your organization is at um, implementing change? Are they ready? What is the culture?" And the reason for that is that an organization can be as excited as it wants about making a change, but if the rest of the culture isn't ready to make that change, it's just going to hit a brick wall and fail. So it is one of the very first things that we do to assess the culture. Okay, great.
0: So, so you, you touched there a little bit on leaders. So as a leader, what do I need to know? What do I need to be prepared for um, if I want to be, you know, leading my organization through change?
2: Um, well, as a leader, the, the first thing is we like to say that um, managers do things right and leaders do the right things. So as a leader, we want to make sure that we are thinking about, is this the right thing? for my organization. Not only is it the right thing with the right outcomes, but is it the right time? And is my organization ready to do it? So it's very much, you know, the standard, what is a leader's role in change is to champion the idea and to communicate it. Um, But that first step is, is it the right thing to do? Is it the right time? And can I create that hot problem, cool solution, message for my team so that they will hear me? And that whole ability to communicate that, to then make sure the right resources are there, and to stick with it all the way through, rather than the next shiny goal uh, making us say "squirrel" and going <laughs> off into the new task that's uh, sexier and more exciting. So, so would
0: you say that? So, does a leader, and maybe you mentioned this earlier, does the leader need to kind of assess? their own organization's readiness for change? And, and if so, how would,
2: how did they do that? There are many, um, there are many tools and methodologies for assessing the readiness for change. Um, one of the things that we do is say, how have change initiatives gone in the past? And how would you say people reacted to that change? There's um, a great curve that's called the change curve and anyone can google it and find a picture of it and it talks about how people progress through any kind of change from denial to anger to exploring to acceptance and it's based off of um, dr elizabeth kubler ross's work from this 1970s when she came up with the five stages of grief It's the same kind of thing it's all a change so they can use that and say where is my organization think of it as a person where is it on this curve based on all the experiences that we've had And then who would I ask to implement it? And what kind of um, blocks would they, or barriers would they um, see when they're trying to do this?
0: And would you say too that people in the organization might be at different points on that curve? So not everybody would necessarily be at the same place. Not
2: only are they all at different places, but you are too. So as I mentioned before, everybody's a walking storybook and everybody is at a different place on the change curve. And the uh, talented leader can manage all those things and bring them so that they're at least all at a starting point together and they're set on a race where the the course is defined, the course is ready to go and they have all the support and the tools to actually get it done.
0: That's great. Ruth. And we're coming up on a break. Um, and when we come back, we'll speak a little bit more and wrap up the idea around uh, what does a leader need to know um, in order to be successful in leading through the process of change. And then also just wrap up with, um, you know, what are the key things that we want you to remember as you go back into your organization and need to lead projects like this. So we'll be back in a few minutes.
3: Always talking business, talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com.
4: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show.
0: And we are back, and we're here with Ruth Henderson from Whiteboard Consulting Group. And we're chatting about leading the process of change. So now that you've decided on your strategy or your new innovation or implementing a new IT system, now the question is, how are you going to get it done? And we've all worked with those leaders who have told us, we'll just get it done. And we kind of leave the room feeling a bit overwhelmed, not even knowing where to start. And Ruth's given us some really great ideas on how to do that, how to communicate, how to build the team, and I guess for now as we're building on this, and as a leader, you know, I don't know. I've worked with these leaders who've said to me, "So, are we winning today? Like, you know, how are we doing?" And it's so. So, how do I know that? I mean, it feels implementation or even process improvement can feel like such a long process, yeah. and everyone's just focused on the end. But what about all the stuff in the middle? How do I know I'm doing okay?
2: Well, oh, it's it's measures we hear all the time. What gets measured gets done which may or may not be true, um, we have worked with a lot of people this year on setting up performance metrics. And there's a very big difference between a measure and a metric. A measure is one number at any point in time. A metric compares that number to something. So uh, I made $100,000 last quarter is a measure. I made $100,000 last quarter compared to $250,000 the quarter before that is a metric. And so we try to teach people that vocabulary because it's important. All the way along, I want to know if I'm, I'm winning. So how am I collecting measurements? In implementing something, we have usually a project plan, or we are waiting to see something improve over time. How do we know? What was the baseline? Did we collect a baseline? Um, another common phrase is data rich and information poor. So people have spreadsheets coming out the wazoo. They have so many spreadsheets and no idea what they mean. So business analytics is becoming a very popular um, team in many organizations to actually take those numbers and turn them into stories. We say, tell me the story. So what's the story with the data? Do you have data? Is it the right data? Do you have baseline data? And have you selected the key things that you want to measure?
0: So would you say, so would you say, Ruth, that, you know, at the beginning, you talked about before you implement something, make sure that people understand the outcome. Mm -hmm. At that same stage, should you also be agreeing to your metrics? So how you're, okay, so how you're going to evaluate uh, Mm -hmm. the the project along the way?
2: Sure. So high level uh, outcome statement, as I said before, might be something like uh, in the public sector, it might be something like the Um, the citizens have faith in the justice system. How do you measure that? In government today it's extremely hard to get those measures. So governments are moving to surveys and they're actually saying, surveying people after they have a service and they say, what are your thoughts on that? And at least they're now being able to say, we are measuring whether or not citizens have faith in government by this question on the survey. Uh, In the private companies if they say the a successful outcome is an IT solution that means our customers don't have to call us for help the measurement there might be the number of calls that you receive with the that are categorized under a certain heading so we have to assign measures to those outcomes or we have no idea if we're actually achieving them.
0: So, so the leader and the team have to buy into the outcome and the, and the measures yes. and the metrics. Yes. And would those measures and metrics change?
2: Oh, uh, measure, this should be a living thing. Absolutely, they should change. As we achieve one goal, we should be refocusing on another one. So we, receive, we achieve the possibility of answering 1,000 calls in a day in a contact center. Maybe we want to make it 1,100 for the next year. How do we constantly shift and change those with the needs of the business and the standards in the industry?
0: Well, that, that's great. Thank you so much, Ruth. I think we're coming now to the part where we're just wrapping up. Mm. And, and so, you know, as we come to this final part of the show, um, Ruth, what, what do you want to make sure that people remember as they go back and lead their team or their company um, through any form of change?
2: Um, I think that I would say uh, like three things. The first and the most important is measurements, believe it or not. We sort of talked about it at the end, but I can't say enough about measurements, um, being able to show people if they're winning, to keep them engaged, and to make the case for change. Data is so important for that. The second thing I would say is use change management theory. Look at John Cotter's model, his eight-step model for change management, The very first one is creating a sense of urgency. It's that hot problem, cool solution. And how do we make that statement so that people understand the need for change? And if they don't, not necessarily happy about it, at least they understand why you're doing it. And they're more likely to engage in the process of implementing it. Um, And then the last thing I would say is make sure that you're communicating in a way that's a realist. Not the buddy, not the cheerleader, but the realist. You're communicating to be effective, not to be right. So you're not saying, look, I told you I sent an email. You're actually considering the audience and communicating with um, facts, with timelines, and communicating in the way they need to be communicated to. So I guess I would say measurements, um, the change management and the sense of urgency. And then the last is the effective communication and communicating like a realist. Well, Ruth, just you mentioned
0: this idea of um, the hot problem and the cool solution. Can you just give me another example of that?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, in some organizations, we would talk about the fact that um, maybe we need to move to a different building. And this has actually happened. I've been in organizations where they did this and they said, we're moving to a new building. And it's going to be amazing because this new building has a Starbucks in the basement and it's really close to uh, a shopping mall and a grocery store. So you can get your groceries on the way home and everybody's going to have a window seat because it's so nice. And what they didn't do was help people understand why they were moving. So people just didn't listen. And they all they heard was we're moving to a new building. It's now thirty minutes extra in my drive time and my child's daycare is in my current building. So all I'm hearing when you're listing the benefits is wah wah wah, I can't even hear you. So the hot problem pool solution is, Hey guys, we have to eliminate seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the budget. That's a big number, and there's only a few ways we can do this, and I'm sure you can imagine what some of them are. And the one that makes the most sense is moving to this building. Now, there are going to be some challenges for all of you. I would like to work with you on what those challenges are and help everybody adapt to what that is. There are also some benefits. So I start off with the hot problem of having to cut a budget, and people know that means cutting people potentially. Nobody wants to cut people. So then they're thinking, okay, now, what are the things that I need to do in order to be part of the solution? That's one example. I, I
0: think that's a great one. And I think the way you communicated was as a realist, right? So yeah. you're not just like being the cheerleader or the yeah. buddy. Hey you're guys, actually, yeah. yeah. To a new
2: building and it's got a Don't we all Starbucks? love Starbucks? Yay! <laughs>
0: For all those yeah. Tim Hortons lovers out there, yeah. um, not so happy. So I think the, <laughs> even the way you're communicating yeah. is giving them a great example. Yeah. So so Ruth, I really want to thank you for joining us today on our chat with Chickles and chatting with Chickles today. Uh, yeah. It was great to have you and your expertise. I do want to let people know that if they would um, like to email Ruth, you can reach her at ruth.henderson at whiteboard.com consulting.ca and you can also check out her website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca so um um, And you can also download this episode um, either from my host page on voiceamerica.com or iTunes. um, And feel free to reach out to me um, and, you know, uh, like me on Facebook or connect with me on LinkedIn. Follow me on Twitter. um, And thank you for being a part of Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school because you have to live it to get it. And I think Ruth has
1: clearly lived it. I lived it. (laughs) So we'll see you next week.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us for Chat with Chickles. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with brand expert Lisa Chickles on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again on the next show.